so I'd like to start tonight with um, a story of a couple that I've been in touch with on and off for a number of years and uh, been married 20-some years and one of the marriages that's uh, been really, really difficult, very, very rocky, struggle throughout. And the basic kind of theme of the struggle's been that she's felt very angry and hurt and disappointed that he has not wanted to be more intimate and close and he's felt very much accused and attacked and defended and so on. And, uh, you know, finally they hit a crisis point and he basically said, I don't feel love. I don't see where the hope is because I just do not feel love. Uh, Last year they came to a meditation weekend and and started meditating together and, and that just brought up more realness in a very good way but he still had this sense of I don't feel love. They went to then a workshop uh, sponsored by the Catholic Church for couples and at that workshop their takeaway which was transformative was that love is a decision. Love is a decision And what they found over the last six months is that in order to decide on love what was necessary was to choose presence over and over. That love is a decision, meaning it's it's there, we might not feel it. In fact, many of us have many moments that even when we know we love someone that we're not feeling loving. But love is a decision and what actualizes that decision, what makes it happen is choosing presence. And it's not a one-shot, it's over and over and over again deciding it's more important to be here and real and touching what's actually going on than being right or avoiding or getting our way. One, one person wrote, I re- just recently read this, that one of the worst experiences in the world is being in the middle of an argument and all of a sudden realizing you're wrong. <laughs> I thought that was a great one. Isn't it true? I mean, isn't it really true? It's just a terrible feeling. You have to backpedal, but you do it slowly because you don't want to really own up, you know? <laughs> anyway, so we have a very strong, deep-rooted conditioning to leave presence and to armor our hearts. Whenever things are uncomfortable, we are gone. It's just our conditioning. So the path, the spiritual path, whether it's in choosing love in a relationship or choosing freedom or choosing happiness, whatever we're wanting to choose that really matters to us, the prerequisite, what underlies it, choosing presence. There's a uh, story that I've shared before here and it ha- it's of a king and uh, he is getting very, very old and he's looking for a successor. And so he puts out a a call to everyone in the land that wants to come and meet with him and tell them their qualifications. And he's a very egalitarian king. He just opens it wide to all, all sorts of people, anybody that wants to come. And he, not only that, he's very gracious and he, before the petitioner comes to kind of say, well, here's why I could be king, um, he has them be bathed and they gives them all sorts of really the clothes, wardrobes are open so everybody can look as, as well as they want to look and, and jewelry and big banquet for everyone and so on and he and his um, administrator or his assistant or whoever just there's, they sit up at the, you know, in, his, in their chambers awaiting for the petitioners to come up one by one um, and, the, and the night rolls on, the night rolls on, and when finally his assistant goes downstairs, what he sees is that, you know, all the self-aware is gone, and the food's gone, and the clothes are gone, and nobody has come up to um, seek being the new king. And, um, and, and of course, this is, uh, the metaphor is that we get waylaid. We forget why we come here we forget the possibility of really experiencing our nobility and we just get pulled around by the different 
let me prove myself here or win that or get more of that and um, not so common that we remember what's described as the priceless treasure of uh, loving presence of an awakened heart that we forget what matters to us we do it every single day every one of us we know what matters deep down but we get waylaid that's just, it's the description of the path is forgetting and remembering isn't it so? I mean, you're aware of forgetting pretty regularly? in the East spiritual realization is more consciously a part of the culture you know, it's if you go to any village and you say, well, where's the local saint? everybody go, oh yeah, down there around the corner and two houses in and so on and, you know, you go to Montgomery Mall and say, you know, where's the local saint? and, and you might get locked up um, so the Buddha basically taught that intention that what we pay attention to what our intention is what we're aware of wanting creates our universe what matters to us what we're aware of wanting to avoid what we're aware of wanting to get that creates our world and as I mentioned last week the Buddha taught that whatever a person frequently thinks and reflects on that will become the inclination of the mind that's very important whatever you most frequently think about and reflect on that becomes the inclination of the mind it creates your biochemistry and it creates your behaviors and it creates the kind of karmic shape of your life whatever you frequently think and reflect on now for some of us that's a scary thing because what are we mostly what's mostly occupying our mind? I mean, just to ask yourself, do your thoughts arouse a sense of kindness and a sense of connectedness, interest, love? Or do your thoughts seem to generate a sense of trouble ahead, disconnection, something's wrong, something's going to go wrong? You know, what's your feel, the feeling of your, who you are in terms of what you're thinking? Is it a, a self that has a lot more to do and could fail and is possibly going to have to keep on figuring things out forever and ever? Close your eyes for a moment. Let's just reflect a bit. And just kind of just let yourself sit here and pause and let the word trouble come to mind, just say trouble inwardly, trouble sense what happens, trouble and then just erase the blackboard and then mentally whisper loving presence loving presence kindness just notice what happens with your body, your heart what we can start finding is there really is a power to our thoughts that if we have certain repeated thoughts they affect our whole system as I mentioned last week there's that phrase, neurons that fire together, wire together that if we keep having certain thoughts we get what happens in the mind is certain patterns get created that then get sustained and they create our moods and behaviors so when we focus on trouble if that's our thing, if you're in the habit of anticipating and warding off trouble and judging who has something to offer you and who will be a drain, it's a different reality than when your filter is kindness, loving presence how can I help? what will be helpful? true aspiration what we most care about feeling loving, feeling free, feeling present it comes from our deepest wisdom but we often aren't living from that place and when we are, when we're remembering our aspiration whatever arises becomes workable 
In other words, if your aspiration is for loving presence, is for spiritual awakening, is for a quality of wholeness, then whether it's internal moods like anxiety or sadness or external events that happen, there is the possibility of sensing it's part of the path. There's the, um, it's called the bodhisattva aspiration. May this too serve awakening. May no matter what happens, may this too be a part of awakening. Everything becomes part of the path. But if our filter instead is wanting life to cooperate, wanting to feel a certain way, wanting to have people treat us a certain way, wanting to have security in a certain way, then we're constantly struggling because life doesn't cooperate. So the inquiry that's really valuable is what stops us from really uh, choosing presence? What stops us from choosing presence? When we're really awake we get it that if we want loving relationships it's presence that's going to bring it. If we want to feel creative it's going to come from a place of presence. If we want peace the only way is by being present. We know that intuitively. So what stops us from choosing presence? D. H. Lawrence writes this, he says, Men are not free doing just what they want. Men are only free doing what the deepest self likes. And there's getting down to the deepest self. It takes some diving. So the people at the king's castle weren't free doing just what they wanted, trying on the clothing and eating at the banquet and, you know, watching the magic shows that were offered to them. They were in a kind of trance and that's what happens. We get into a trance and we forget what the deepest self wants. And it happens every day. Every day we get into a trance and forget what the deepest self wants. So, we sit down to meditate and we set our intention, okay, may I choose presence? And then what happens? The fingers of trance creep in, right? Okay, here's my meditation yesterday. I, I decided I'd share it with you. So I sit down and I, you know, may I, may there be presence. And then for the next bunch of minutes, I don't know how long, first I found, first there was a fixation on, um, we're, we're building a cottage or a small house for my mom on our property and the hardscaping and where the bid was coming in on the hardscaping and how many more plantings we could get and how expensive would it be in the spring to get new shrubs. So I started on the landscaping and hardscaping. And then I went on to my son's uh, application to graduate school and how are the GREs going to work? You know, I went on to that one. And then next thing I found, a, oh, I'm going to Florida tomorrow to give a talk. What am I going to wear? And I'm sharing this with you in case you had this idea that I dwell in the blissful great space of open empty wear. You know, it's like this was the fixation after fixation. And, and then finally, you know, when you sit still, here's the magic of a sitting practice, is when the body's still, eventually the mind begins to quiet enough so you start noticing the fixation rather than being totally in it. So there's a little more going, oh, okay, been off there again. No, not to be punishing, okay, come back. And then, oh yeah, thinking about do I have to iron this in order to wear that? Okay, come on back. And it goes like that until there's more and more space between the thought trains. And there's less and less stickiness like being completely lost until gradually there's more resting in the awareness itself. But it takes some time because the conditioning to be in trance is very thick. We are driven by what the smaller self wants and fears. So the intention to choose presence is essential on the spiritual path. It doesn't mean that you'll be present, but the willingness, the fact that you care about presence calls you back home and you start noticing, oh, been fixated. There's more of a current back to the ocean, to presence, when there's that um, commitment, that choosing presence.
So one of the big um, questions is, you know, what are the ways that we can more actively um, commit ourselves, choose to awaken from trance? And so let me just invite you to reflect on today for a moment, okay? Just to kind of let yourself uh, sense what happened today. And as you review the day, just to see what was the quality of your presence, what mattered today? What were you going after? What was the self-wanting? Were you trying to accomplish things? Was there an experience you were trying to get or trying to avoid? What were the kind of thoughts that populated your mind? Can you sense how the quality of your intention, what you wanted, what you didn't want, shaped your day? Okay, you can open your eyes. There are three basic kind of uh, pathways that can help us to choose presence more and more consciously, okay? And one of the pathways is to formally reflect on your aspiration itself, that at the beginning of a meditation, the beginning of a day, to take the time and make it a very specific meditation. And, that me- and we're gonna, we'll be doing it in a moment, we'll do all three and then see how that is for you. So that means that we basically ask ourselves what matters. It's the first one. The second uh, kind of pathway is that we then set aside time to train ourselves to choose presence. In other words, we sit, we meditate, and in that meditation the basic intention is to re-choose over and over again to be here, not in a virtual reality. Okay, so the first one is set our, set our aspiration. The second is to practice rechoosing and rechoosing. Because the given, you'll have ample opportunity. You'll just keep on finding that the small self is doing its traditional, you know, what am I going to wear? What am I going to get? What's wrong? You know, and we'll just notice it. Oh, rechoose, come back. Okay. The third is what we call, you know, on the road training, which is the given is during the day we get very, very lost. So the question is, can we during the day when we're really in the thick of trance and the flag of course is suffering, can we pause and re-choose presence then? So we'll just briefly move through those three elements and uh, then then I'll check in with you, see where you are. So first part, we set our aspiration. So just sitting however you're comfortable. And to even set your aspiration, it takes a bit of being right here. So you've already sat some tonight. Let this be a pause that helps you to arrive in a quality of right here, right now. Take a few full breaths. Sense the state of your heart right now. Just sense what 
the quality of heart is in this moment, open, closed, awake, numb, scared, happy, sad. And inquire, ask your heart, much as I describe at the very beginning of a meditation, what most matters? Ask your heart to sense that if you were at the end of your life and looking back, what would most matter about how you live today or tomorrow? What would matter about your inner experience, your way of being, your realization? What would matter? And then just listen. Take your time. If you hear some words or you get a quick answer, you might sense, well, what is most important about that? What is it that my heart really longs for? the flag of a pure aspiration, of really connecting with your aspiration, is sincerity. As you sense what matters, is there a feeling of sincerity? Or another word is innocence, a kind of purity. And if not, that's fine, just to notice that and keep listening. What you're really practicing is prayer, is sensing the prayer of your heart. And as John O'Donohue says, prayer is the stillness of pure attention, being open to the wisdom of your clay. What's the prayer of your heart? So the beginning of awakening our aspiration of choosing presence is to connect with the heart's longing. And you might have your own language for it. It may be your longing is to touch peace, to be free from fear. Or maybe your longing is to love well, to love without holding back. Maybe your longing is to realize truly who you are freedom. So we sense that and then as we continue, this is the second part, we practice choosing presence. So we begin, we'll just do a very brief meditation, we'll continue by choosing presence. And you might let your senses be awake right now to establish a very here and now presence. Aware of listening, the sounds in the room and outside. Aware of feeling the sensations in the body. Feel your hands, maybe soften and feel your belly. Feel the movement of the breath. Feel whatever emotion or mood is here, whether it's pleasant or unpleasant. Choosing presence, choosing what's real and here and now, 
over a virtual reality. find that there's a drifting into thought, it's an opportunity to choose again. And it's the re-choosing that strengthens and deepens your capacity for presence. You might sense what it means to re-choose or deepen presence right in this moment, more fully noticing, more unconditionally allowing, letting everything happen to you. And yet again, noticing where the attention is and choosing presence with kindness, with a wholeheartedness. As Rumi says, let yourself be silently drawn by the stronger pull of what you love. your eyes. So the ground training that we practice is to formally set our aspiration and then do the formal practice of um, re-choosing presence over and over again. And that's really a synopsis of this practice here. We get established with the senses open, we relax, we let the breath be a kind of home base, but we leave, so we re-choose. And rather than thinking of judging our meditation as, oh, I was really scattered, I was gone, I was fixated, we can sense that every time we notice we've gone into trance is a chance to deepen this pathway back home, this, this capacity to re-choose. And if we can do it while we're on the cushion or the chair, this is training for being on the road or in the street or whatever we want to call it. There's no way we're going to wake up out of the trance and choose presence when we're in the middle of an argument or when we're in traffic or when we're, you know, you know, turned on ourselves with anger if we aren't on the cushion getting some skill on the cushion means this kind of formal training getting some skill in noticing, oh, I've been off in a trance choose this moment, this breath, right here, be here So that's the next part of the training. And for most of us, we kind of know our our biggest areas of going into reactive trance. I mean, we know that certain things set off our anxiety and that we get into a tizzy. We know we get tight. We know that certain uh, people or certain situations are going to trigger off our insecurity or anger or feeling of, of disappointment or whatever, and we get tight with that. 
or we know how if we make a certain kind of mistake we turn on ourselves. So we all have our, ver- or maybe you're thinking, I do all of that, <laughs> plus some, but we all have our, our you know, top ten areas of this really trips me off. So the question is, can you begin to put a kind of a shine a light on maybe one or two areas and target it as, okay, this is a place where I want to start choosing presence more. Eventually, spiritual practice is absolutely, potentially alive in every part of our life, every domain. So the cue or the flag of being in trance is always suffering in some form and the more that we in advance say, okay, when that kind of thing comes up, I'm going to pause and I'm going to choose presence, the more likelihood it is that we can break patterns we've been running forever. One of the stories I most like to share, one of the ones that most inspired me, some of you might remember, uh, was of a man who was doing training in in these kind of practices, I think through a mindfulness-based stress reduction. And his particular trance was getting into the Um, I'm a special, busy person, important person and feeling impatient and irritable. That was his big one. And he uh, one day had taken off in the middle of the day from work to do some shopping. So he went to a supermarket and um, he was standing in, uh, he got a lot of groceries, standing in the regular line and the person in front of him wasn't in the, uh, you know, short, what's the line called when you only have a few, 15 items or less, express line. Um, she just had a few items, she had a baby and she was in front of him and not only that, when it was her turn she hands the baby to the register, to the clerk and they start ooing and eyeing over the baby and he goes berserk, all his trip goes off you know, I'm a busy important person, I'm on my way to do things I've got stuff to do, when somebody's getting in my way and he just goes into it but some little flag goes off because he had kind of targeted this behavior, you know he goes, okay, mindfulness. So he pauses, he's got plenty of time to pause because they're ooing and eyeing over the child. So he pauses, he's saying, okay, breathe, he's getting in touch. So he's, there he is choosing presence. And he goes, and underneath the irritation he gets in touch with a very familiar anxiety of if I don't quickly get everything done, life's going to fall apart, I'm going to fail, everything is going to go to pieces, which a lot of us live with, a sense of, you know, this kind of clench that we got to keep getting things done. And he got in touch with that and, he, and, and choosing presence, being with that, and the kind of a kindness, like, okay, so this is what I live with some. And it created more space. So he could start looking around and he looked at the um, woman and the child and and sensed the affection and the, how cute the child was. When it was his turn, he looked at the clerk and said, you know, that little girl was adorable. And the clerk lit up and she said, oh, thank you, that's actually, that's my little girl. In fact, that's my mom and my husband uh, was killed in Iraq last year, so my mom brings her daughter over a couple times a day so I get to spend some time with her. I, now, I don't share this because it's, you might think, well, not everybody is going through that level of, um, you know, of tragedy. But the truth is, everyone we meet is struggling hard. Everyone we meet is caught in, in different types of reactivity and trance. Everyone we meet is living with uncertainty is living with a body that is either sick or going to get sick, that's either clearly aging or on its way to aging, but aging, and that's going to lose beings that we love. Everyone's living with this. So what if we could start recognizing when we go into trance and start deciding on presence, deciding to interrupt some of those chain of reactivities, pause, reconnect with the life in here, and as clearly happened for him, when we slow down and choose presence here, we're more present everywhere. This is the gift of choosing presence. It gives us our life back. 
We spend so many uh, kind of stretches of moments lost. It starts by setting your aspiration, really getting in touch sincerely with what matters, regularly. It deepens when you practice formally, just sitting still and noticing when you've left and re-choosing presence. That builds the kind of muscle in the mind. And then it comes alive when you choose the places in your life that you know you get lost. Don't be over-ambitious, by the way. Don't say, okay, um, all day tomorrow I'm going to choose presence, because it's a, it's a setup. It just doesn't work, you know. But you can begin to have pauses in places you didn't think. And you can begin to have an intimacy with your inner life and with others that you might not have thought was possible. For this couple that I mentioned earlier, I wanted to tell you a little more of how things worked out. Um, her years of her trance was, I'm going to control this relationship, I'm going to make him be with me, I'm going to be more of a priority, I'm going to, I want this, and being very um, more aggressive. And his uh, years of trance had been um, ways to defend and protect against that judgment and avoid being attacked. So for them, the uh, choosing presence had a very, very uh, pronounced and clear um, kind of form, which was they agreed to, when they got into their relational dance that was so painful, to pause and take a time out, which is excellent uh, therapeutic strategy for couples, all of us that are in, in relationships with anybody to agree if it's a close relationship and you want to have more wisdom in it to know that it's okay to pause because otherwise we tumble into continuing the pattern. So they agreed to pause and each one of them on their own would connect with, choose presence with what's going on inside me. And for her, what was going on inside me, she'd, she'd say, she'd realize she was imagining and believing, you don't really love me. And she was feeling the sense of the need for love and the pain of not feeling loved. And so she, her way of choosing presence was to be with that vulnerability. His way of choosing presence was what he was, and I say imagining, he was believing, you don't respect me, you think I'm bad. And he was feeling, that makes me feel like I'm bad. And what I need is to feel like I'm worthwhile. And then he would breathe and be with and choose presence with that, that need and that feeling. Then they could come together and name that, the more real levels of vulnerability. So rather than her attacking and him defending, she was saying, I'm feeling unloved and I need love. And he could say, I'm feeling unworthy and I need to feel respected. And when they could communicate on that level, when they both had chosen presence and could communicate what comes from presence, they started forging some real intimacy. Now, some of you might be thinking, yeah, but I'm in relationships or I'm in situations where there's no way the other person would meet me in that, you know, mutuality. Just to say, don't underestimate the power of you choosing presence. That in this world, any moment, no matter what's going on, that we choose to pause and get in touch with what matters to us and get in touch with our own vulnerability and get in touch with our own heart, that sends ripples to the rest of the world. We are utterly interdependent. It doesn't mean that a uh, partner is necessarily going to conform to what we want, but it means that on the deepest level we have the opportunity to be more awake and more free, no matter what anybody else is doing. That's the power of this practice. If we want to be happy, if we want to have more love in our life, if we want to be spiritually free, it comes down to choosing presence. So we'll practice again, um, but just to say that the, um, the commitment to choose presence, there's a circularity in spiritual life. 
the more present you are, the more you will realize that that's the absolute gem. That it's not that you're being present, it's that presence is what you are. And that in those moments of presence, it's homecoming. It's what we all long for. We're actually resting in a wholeness and a beingness that's what we are. So the more that happens, the more, of course, we're then committed to being present. You see the circularity? The more we touch it, the more we have the aspiration for it. One of the teachers that's most inspired me is Sri Narsargadatta. He was asked a lot about, you know, how did you end up being so realized, so enlightened? It's very, he's no longer alive, but very uh, profound wisdom and uh, freedom and, that he expressed. And he said this, he said, well, my guru told me, quote, trust me, I'm telling you, you are divine. Take it as absolute truth. All comes from God, you are God. Then he said, I did trust him and soon realized how wonderfully true and accurate were his words. I simply followed his instruction, which was to focus the mind on pure being, on the I am and stay in it. I used to sit for hours together with nothing but the I am in my mind and soon the peace and joy and deep all-embracing love became my normal state. In it all disappeared, myself, my guru, the life I lived, the world around me. Only peace remained, an unfathomable silence. So for him, he was told you are the divine, now go meditate on that. And he just spent every moment he possibly could in that quietness that senses the divine, that awake, open-heartedness, that sacredness just flowing through him. And the more moments that he paid attention to it and sensed it, the more the truth revealed itself. We have a kind of a culture and a distractedness that doesn't usually have us say, okay, um, I'm being told that loving presence is my very nature. I'm going to keep on paying attention to that until I realize it. We're very, very distracted in our culture and most people are. So it's not to set some idea that we're supposed to like um, immerse ourselves more than we can. It's more sensing the possibility. And I'm hoping that's what you get from tonight, that the more you intentionally choose presence, the more you'll come home to the realization that you most long for. To do it by setting your aspiration formally each day, by practicing and training in the formal meditation, which is mind drifts, oh, choose presence again and then to target in your day where the trance is thick and with a um, patience and a humor and a lot of self-forgiveness see if it's possible to choose presence then. So we'll practice that third piece now. I'm going to give you a chance to do a dry run on where you go into trance and we'll close after that. So come sitting however you're comfortable. And just as a kind of, uh, to create the atmosphere, this is a poem, Awakening Now, by Dana Faltz. Why wait for your awakening? Why wait for your awakening? The moment your eyes are open, seize the day. Would you hold back when the beloved beckons? Would you deliver your litany of sins like a child's collection of seashells prized and labeled No, I can't step across the threshold, you say, eyes downcast. I'm not worthy, I'm afraid, and my motives aren't pure. I'm not perfect, and surely I haven't practiced nearly enough. My meditation isn't deep, and my prayers are sometimes insincere. Do you value your reasons for staying small more than the light shining through the open door? Forgive yourself. Forgive yourself. Now is the only time you have to be whole. Now is the sole moment that exists to live in the light of your true nature. 
Perfection is not a prerequisite for anything but pain. Please, oh please, don't continue to believe in your stories of separation and failure. This is the day of your awakening. So with a gentleness, just feel yourself arriving even more fully right here, right now. You might take a few full breaths to further collect the attention. And then let come to mind a situation you regularly uh, encounter that brings up reactive emotion, what I've been calling trance. And it might be a situation with another person where you get angry or hurt or anxious or afraid. Or it might be a situation on your own that typically brings up some unpleasant emotion, might be an addictive behavior, something that's going on at work. There might be something you obsess on regularly that you know does not create a mind state that moves you towards freedom. So you're choosing a place where you go into a bit of a trance that you'd like to choose more presence. And let the situation be right here in your mind now. Imagine it unfolding until you get to the most charged part. Just make it real. If it involves another person who's saying things that are upsetting, just see that person's face and hear the words. And if it involves the behavior you're doing, sense yourself doing it, and what's coming up around that behavior. Whatever the circumstances, see what's happening around you, Feel the feelings in your body. And imagine where it might be possible to pause, to inwardly pause, to perhaps completely stop activity if that's possible, in some way to take a time out, even if for a few moments, where you're choosing presence decide on presence. Let the world stop around you and just inwardly investigate and open to what's happening inside you. For some it's helpful to put a hand on your own heart and just accompany yourself. It's as if you're offering presence as well as choosing presence to your own inner life. And just sense what's happening. with kindness, with interest, just as the man at the supermarket sensed the layers inside him. What are you believing? Are you believing that you're going to fail or something terrible is going to happen? That others are going to see you a certain way? That you'll be rejected? That you're truly endangered? What do you believe in? And what are you feeling? Perhaps a very young place in you that's feeling very scared or very hurt. Just offering presence, choosing presence. And for some it can deepen presence by 
very directly offering care to the place inside you that's most feeling difficulty, hurt, fear. For some, just saying, I'm here, can be helpful. For some, I care about the suffering. Knowing that while we can't, it's not about trying to get rid of the fear or the hurt, by offering presence, we start coming home to a very timeless and awake heart. It's the beginning of that pathway home. So that as you close this meditation, just remind yourself of really what most matters to you, what you most want to remember, what you most want to be true to, the quality of consciousness you most want to inhabit. And as you feel the sincerity of what matters to you, just sense your own experience of who you are. Who are you when you're remembering what matters? Again, the words of Rumi, let yourself be silently drawn by the stronger pull of what you love. The teaching you have received has been freely offered. If you would like to contact the Insight Meditation Community of Washington to make a donation or to learn more about our programs, please visit our website at www.imcw.org. Thank you for listening. To learn how you can support the teachers and Dharma Seed, please visit dharmaseed.org slash donate.